got one verse in 1 Kings chapter number 11, and verse number 28, and uh, we'll, we'll jump over into the New Testament as well. The man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man, that he was industrious, he made him the ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. Acts chapter 2. And uh, we'll read starting at verse number seven, 37, excuse me. And uh, we'll read down a little ways. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Why don't you just look at somebody and tell them, we're going to find out what you're supposed to do. And if you think you know where this message is going, just rest assured you don't. And then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And a verse that is both the preacher's friend and the preacher's nightmare. And with many other words. I mean, y'all think he stopped preaching at verse 39, but he didn't stop preaching at verse 39. He kept preaching, and I really wish I had his notes. But he kept on preaching, and with many words did he testify and exhort, say, saying, Save yourselves from these, this untoward generation. And then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Not too bad for a church launch, huh? And they continued steadfastly. Who's the they? They, in the last verse was they that gladly received His word. They was 3,000. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. We'll skip down to, well, we'll just keep on reading. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted, unto them, uh, and parted them unto all men, as every man had need. And they, who was the they? It must be the they from verse 42 and verse 41. And they continued daily in the temple with one, or they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with singleness, or with gladness and singleness of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I'll give you a little warning shot today, and that is I am probably going to get in your business this morning. Um, so you can take that and you can turn me off this morning. But I want to be apostolic. I, I, I want to be apostolic. I don't want to be, I don't want to be rooted in tradition. I, I don't want to be rooted in my own conception of what I think 
of God or what I think the church ought to be. I want to be what Jesus delivered to the apostles and what the apostles delivered to the first century church. I want to be apostolic. I want to preach to you for a while today on this title, very simple, Church Life. Will you throw your hands in the air and will you pray for this preacher that I will speak only what God wants spoken today. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, you are the great and mighty King. You're the Savior of the world. This church is your church. These folks are your folks. I am yours, O God. So I ask you today that you'll take out of my mind every one of my thoughts. Let me speak only your pure word. Lord, I pray every, every thought, every word that would come out of my mouth that's not, has it, that does not have its origination with you, that you would close my mouth. But allow me to speak only what you want spoken today. Anoint our minds, oh God, and we give you permission to reach into our hearts and reach into our spirits. We give you permission to rearrange things in our life today, oh God, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. And you can be seated. Uh, I, I want to tell you from the onset that I love the church. Um, I would not be here if it was not for the church. Uh, I love the church and you ought to love the church too because God loves His church. Uh, I want to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. And of a surety, God loves His church. He calls us His bride. Uh, in fact, he, he said, if you, if you talk bad about, pick on, or try to persecute my church, He takes personal offense to that. Uh, because as, the, uh, as Saul, who would sometime in the future be the Apostle Paul, as he went about and he was uh, taking Christians and throwing them in jail, and uh, he was persecuting the church, Jesus knocked him down uh, with a great light from heaven. And he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And so Jesus, uh, you, you know, the Bible does tell us that whenever you're married, two become one. And so if we are truly His bride, we are one with Him. Uh, and so I, I love the church. Elbow somebody say, I love the church. Uh, the Bible talks about Zion as being paralleled with the church. It says in Psalm 48 and verse number 1, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the, great, the city of the great king. And God is known in her palaces for a refuge. Aren't you glad that you found a refuge from a world that wants to destroy you? It's the church. Uh, and it's the joy of the whole world, beautiful for situation. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. How many are glad to be able to come to the church of the living God? Uh, there's, there is strength in the church. There's refuge in the church. There's joy in the church. There's a song that, uh, I don't know, probably hasn't been sung in this building for a long time, but it said, I love what I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. Because the church isn't a building. And the church is not an event. The church is a body of believers. The church is a, a blood-bought organism that's possessed by Jesus Christ. And, and uh, we are members one of another. I love the church. 
the, the Bible says in Psalm 37 verse 1, they, they were in captivity and they were remembering what it was like to be in Zion uh, what it would be like to be in the church. And it says we hung our harps there and we wept when we sat down beside the river and we remembered Zion. And it says, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, old Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy... He said, I, I want to love Zion, the church, above whatever else gives me joy. I want to love the church. That's how I feel today. I want to love the church more than I love anything else on planet earth. In the book of Acts, in the verses that we just read, I get the understanding now, just wave at me. This is, now, you're going to think this is a loaded question from Pastor, but just wave at me again if, if, you want to, if you want to be apostolic. I want to be apostolic. I, I, want, I, I, I want to be built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. A man asked me one time, what does it mean? What, what do you mean whenever you say the word apostolic? And, and uh, I, I told him this. I, I'll just read what I typed out this morning. That <clears throat> to be apostolic means that we study, believe, and attempt to follow the teachings and the practices of the first century apostles. Believe, study, and attempt to follow the teachings and the practices of the first century apostles. Because being apostolic is more than believing and talking in tongues when you receive the Holy Ghost. It's more than baptism in Jesus' name. It's more than uh, a dress code and, and lifestyle issues like that. There is so much more to being apostolic. And what I find in the study of Acts chapter 2 is that the early apostolic church, the church was everything to them. They did not have a church life. Their church was their life. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers. They were with one accord in the temple and from house to house. I get the picture, Sister Martha, that every day their life was focused on what does God want from me today? Every day their life was intimately connected with the body of Christ. Uh, I, I want, I want to to be apostolic. I want this to be an apostolic church. And, um, I'll tell you there, we'll get to Jeroboam in a, in a minute. I, I, I try not to make personal references, but I want to tell you about a couple of messages in my life that probably, they're two of the most important messages that my pastor ever preached to me. Um, when I was a, a, a new convert, and uh, I was probably still dating this cute chick over here on the second row. Not you, Charlotte. 
Not you, Julie. Pastor Chrisman got up and he preached those verses that I just read to you out of Psalms. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. And if I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. And he preached to us about my chief joy. I texted him this morning. I said, thank you so much for preaching those verses to me. I didn't tell him the title, but he texted me back and he remembered his title. I thank you so much for preaching that to me and letting me know that serving God and being part of the church should be the most important thing in life. I, I'm, I'm not expecting you to shout and jump over the pews today, but he preached to me and, and let me know that my first priority in life needed to be my relationship with Jesus Christ, but that that relationship with Jesus Christ was going to put me to the place where my relationship with the church was going to have preeminence in my life. That Let me talk to you about Jeroboam for a minute. Can we throw that verse up there about Jeroboam? Because I I really like to read about Jeroboam. That first Kings verse, if we can throw that up there. It says that Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. It says that uh, Jeroboam was recognized by Solomon as... Uh, as uh, being having, he's a, he was a young man. He was industrious. Solomon made him a ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. Elbow your neighbor and say, Jeroboam had it going on. Uh, I mean, Solomon, he likes Jeroboam. It says it came to pass. At that time, Jeroboam went on his way to Jerusalem. This prophet came to him, and, and, uh, and, and the prophet uh, caught this garment and rent it in 12 pieces. And the prophet looked at Jeroboam and said, Jeroboam, I want you to take ten pieces of this garment. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and I will give ten tribes to you. So here was a man that was recognized by a prophet of God as being a future king. And Solomon recognized Jeroboam as, as being a mighty man of valor, an industrious young man. And don't you know that Jeroboam became one of the most important kings in Israel's history? He did become important, but not for that reason. Jeroboam did not become a great king. In fact, Jeroboam became the, the same way that David was the measuring stick that they would say he served the Lord even as his father David did. Jeroboam became the measuring stick for bad kings. The phrase would go something like, and he did evil, even as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. You would find that phrase over and over again. My question is, what made Jeroboam so bad? He seems like he should be a great king. What was it that made him so bad? Well, when he became king of those tribes, it says in 1 Kings 12, 26, Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. And if this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of Jerusalem, 
the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Then shall the heart of this people turn unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, the king of Judah, and they shall kill me. And he, he took counsel, and it says that he made two calves of gold, and said unto them, said unto the people, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, and he set one in Dan. The thing that made Jeroboam so wicked, so evil in the eyes of God, was he kept the people from going to the house of the Lord. And if we're not careful... There is still a spirit of Jeroboam alive and well in the world today that will set up golden calves and give you the opportunity to worship something else and put in place of the church. I'm not talking about Sunday morning service. Glad you're here. God bless you. Look at somebody tell them I'm glad you're here. But I'm not talking about things that are going to keep you out of church service. I'm not talking about things that will keep you out of Wednesday night. But there is a spirit in this world that wants you to say, I can compartmentalize God right here and right here, and I'll fit everything else in my life that I want to do, and I'll just have a little bit of God right here and a little bit of the church right here. I've come to preach to you today. We need a church life. I'm so glad that a man of God preached to me and said, the church needs to be a priority in your life. I was a young new convert, and there was a man, I, I can't remember what he preached. His name was Ron Thompson. And this might be the only vision that I've ever had in my life, and you're going to laugh at my vision, because Sister Angie laughs at my vision. She says, well, I guess God knows how to communicate with you. But as he preached, I don't know what he preached about, but it was something along the lines of commitment. And, uh, and, and, and as I prayed during the altar service, in that, in that service, God gave me a vision. And go ahead and laugh if you want to, but He communicated some things to me. And I saw in this vision, Brother Kevin, a bulldozer. Now, some of you guys can get with that, right? But I just feel like the, this might be the only vision I've ever had in my life. And Angie's over here laughing at me. But I feel like, I, I know that it was from God. And it was just shoving things out of my life. Because I had this concept whenever I first, even before I started attending church, I had this concept in my head, uh, Brother Tim, that it would be a good idea to be a church-going person. It would be a good idea because you, know, you raise your, your kids to, to learn some type of morals and, and, and it would be good for them to be raised that way. I, I, always had, I was an atheist, folks. I didn't believe in God. When the, when the Jehovah Witnesses knocked on my door, I said, religion's a crutch for a weak mind. I don't want anything to do with God. I was an atheist. But in my mind, I thought it'd be good to, you know, let, let them go and, and learn some moral stuff for their character once a week. So I was okay with that. I had no idea that God was going to do with me what He has, has done with me. But I remember that, ver, that vision of, of shoving things out of my life so there was enough room for the things of God. There's some stuff that we need to shove out of our lives if we're going to have a church life. Can I get to where I really feel like it? 
If there's something in your way to get to prayer meeting, we need to shove it out of our lives. If there's something in the way that you can't get to youth service, you need to shove it out of your life. If there's something in the way that you can't be in a special service, you need to shove it out. If you can't make it to a picnic, if you can't make it to a men's fellowship, if you can't make it to ladies' meeting, shove it out of your life because there's a church life that we need to strive for. I am so thankful for the folks that I know are going to be at everything every time the door is opened. Do you know what that tells me? It tells me that they've got a church life and no other life. Well, I can't do all that. I got ball. Just came out. No, what you have is other priorities. I told you I was going to get in your junk today. What you have is other priorities. And you're telling God, this, I'm going to, I understand, you got to go to work. You got to go to work. I understand some folks work night shift, day shift, swing shift, uh, stick shift, and automatic. I understand when, when you have work responsibilities. I get that. Now, I don't get taking overtime that's going to keep you out of the house of God. Brother Justin, got a, got a job offer. And uh, he's, he, I know he talked to Brother Josh about it. And Brother Josh was telling me about it. And, okay, he's got a job offer. It was going to be a significant raise. I won't use any numbers. Won't, won't, let, won't get into the, to the, to the man's business. But it was going to be a significant raise. Take this other job. And uh, I just knew he, he had that offer. A couple weeks later, I heard what happened. Brother Justin went to him and said, this is going to keep me out of Bible study. This is going to keep me out of church. And the shift isn't regular. And I need God more than I need that job. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. I got to tell you. I got to tell you the rest of the story. A couple weeks later, Brother Josh comes to me and he says, I got to tell you, I got to tell you what happened to Brother Justin. He told him he didn't want that job and the job that he has right now came to him and says, we want to give you a promotion. The raise that they gave him was exactly the raise that he was going to get by taking the other job and they changed his schedule so he can be off on Tuesday night for Bible study and Wednesday night for church. Oh, I wish somebody danced for a minute and say, if you will make church your life, God is going to take care of you. My God. Oh, God does that kind of stuff. I want somebody to know God does that kind of stuff. That's not a that that's not a coincidence. That's not just something that happened by a fluke. That's God saying, if you put me first, I'll seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will I add unto you. I wish somebody clap your hands unto the Lord.
Hallelujah. That wicked Jeroboam set up a permanent devotion to distract the people from their ordained relationship with the Most High. That wicked Jeroboam set up a permanent distraction to keep people away from the household of God. We need to start identifying some golden calves in our life today. In fact, you need to close your eyes and throw your hands in the air right now. God, are there any golden calves in my life today that keep me out? I'm not preaching about church services. I'm preaching, are there golden calves that keep me out of Bible studies? Are there golden calves that keep me out of prayer meetings? Are there golden calves? Jesus Because here's what Jeroboam will tell Preacher, you're being extreme. Well, Josh, just go and tell me I'm being extreme. I, I don't want to be barely saved. I want to be extremely saved. We believe that the presence of God is the greatest thing that anyone can come in contact with. And we believe that the church is the greatest organization on planet earth. We believe that in word. I want to make sure I believe it in action. Hmm. I want to be apostolic. The apostles were... Together. Somebody say together. You know, it's... Do you know what I'd have to give up? To be there? To be there? To do that? I can't do that. Do you know what Jeroboam's argument was? He set those golden calves up and he told him, Sister Teresa... It's too hard for you to go to Jerusalem. It's too much for you. I got something for you right here. See, every individual wants to worship something. We're built with worship inside of us. We've got to worship something. So the spirit of Jeroboam says, we'll set something up right here, and you can worship at your convenience. We'll set something up over here. You folks over here can worship at your convenience. Just don't go back to where your connection with God is. And your connection with God, Glen Ferris Apostolic Church, is the body of Christ. Well, I, I can pray at home. I can worship at home. Well, I hope you do. And you should. You should enter into your closet and close the door. And your Father, which heareth in secret, will reward you openly. You should pray by yourself. You should worship by yourself. But the apostolic church was a church that was together. And we preach Acts 2.38, talking in tongues, Jesus' name, baptism, 
but we rarely ever preach what might be the most important apostolic trait, which is they were together. You want to shout about that? That's not very spiritual. We preach about angels flying around. No, I'm preaching about when you leave this building, say, hey, why don't we go get some chicken nuggets together? I'm preaching about on a Monday evening saying, hey, I just happen to have an extra pan of peanut butter fudge. Why don't you come over to the house? We'll drink some coffee. Eat some peanut butter fudge. I walked in Sister Teresa and Sister Lindsay's house the other day and they had the best fried chicken I have ever had. They didn't just beat the colonel. The colonel was dead. They didn't killed the colonel. Do you know that there are some pastors that will discourage their saints from getting together because they're afraid that cliques will start. They're, they're afraid that the division will start. I'm afraid of not being apostolic. And in the apostolic church, they were from house to house. In the apostolic church, oh, they went to Cracker Barrel. I'll tell you, I'd rather have that chicken than Cracker Barrel. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, uh. We were about to leave town. I didn't want to leave town after that. I didn't share a lick of it either, I'm telling you. I just came home and told the family about it. They said, you want to take some of this? Nah, better not. Nah, better not. We're getting ready to get in the car and leave. Man, that was good chicken. I can taste it right now. I better get back to my notes. Just preach, Pastor. Uh. I, I told you I, I hate making personal references, but I'm going to a little bit because I know there's some things that, that, that God, by the grace of God, He put in me. Sister Angie, when we go visit another church out of town and we've never been there before, what invariably happens? People are turning off the lights and we're still talking with folks in the church because I love the church. We can go someplace we've never been before and don't know anybody in the building. But they're turning the lights on us, off on us because we're just loving the people of God. Whenever we were, we were just married and we were in school in Morgantown, we did come home every weekend. And we went to church here in, the, in, in Charmco. And it would have been good sense to leave after Sunday morning service. But we didn't leave after Sunday morning service. We thought it imperative to be in church any time we were having church, and so we came to Sunday night service. Now, now I got to be up at 5.30 on Monday morning 
in Morgantown. Huh? Oh, you're talking to one other. Okay, I thought she was correcting my story. I'll give you the mic anytime you want, babe. Okay. I had to be up at 5.30 in Morgantown. But I wanted to be with the people of God. And so I went, uh, went to service. And you know, you can't just go to Sunday night service. Especially when there's a pizza hut down the road. And so we, we go to Sunday night service. And then we go to Pizza Hut. And, and you know, if you are truly apostolic... You can't eat a meal with other people of God in under an hour and 45 minutes. You can't do it. So when you go out, factor in an extra tip. because You need to double your tip because that waiter or waitress just lost two tables on you. Okay, So double your tip. And so get out of church at 8, get to Pizza Hut at 8.30... We're rolling out of town like 11. Why? Because the church was our life. We had our wedding scheduled, and I won't preach much more than another hour. We <laughs> this would be a good day to do it. You know, if I'm going to make you mad, I'll just make everybody mad all at once. We... We had our wedding day set a year in advance, wasn't it, babe? Yeah. June, July, August, sometime in the summer. July 20th, 2002. We were going to go to her Uncle Bob's condo just south of Cocoa Beach. Spend the week, you know, just leave right after the the, the, the whole wedding deal, go down there, put our toes in the sand. And uh, in June, Bishop Bounds comes to the house of prayer and he preaches a changeless message in changing times. And he put a burden on the whole congregation for soul winning. And Brother Chrisman said, I, uh, Brother Bounds, I want you to come, I want you to do a seminar on soul winning. And Bishop says, yeah, I'll come. I'll be there on... June the 20, no, July the 27th. I'm supposed to be in Florida on July the 27th because I got married on July the 20th. I'm supposed to be in Florida. We had about a 15-second conversation. Man, I'd like to go to that. She said, well, why don't we just push it back a week? In a 15-second conversation... My wonderful wife said, let's just delay our honeymoon for a week. Why? Because the church. Because at some point, Brother Pat, I wanted to shove everything. I'm not telling anybody in here you need to delay your honeymoon to go to a seminar. I'm not telling anybody that. But I am telling you this. I am so thankful that God put me with a lady that's got desire in her heart, the church. I'm so glad God put desire in my heart, the church. There's not a conversation. There's, there's never, there's never, I, I got to move on. I got to move on. But 
don't want golden calves in my life that are convenient, but they separate me from what really gives me strength. And we've got to be together. We've got to be together. I, I, have, I have spent far too much money on Sunday afternoon meals and Sunday night afternoon meals. But Tim, I might still be paying them off. I don't know. But I wanted so desperately to be with the people of God. And I'll I'll, I'll stay up late. I'll do whatever's necessary just to be able to hang out with the people of God. There's something that happens whenever we're connected. Let me let me just make a couple more statements here. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all... Somebody tell me. They were all with one accord in one place. They were together. The church is supposed to be together. Well, Pastor, I can, I can watch the live stream, and, and if you're not able to get out, I understand. Watch the live stream. I'm glad it's available. But you don't get on the live stream what happens whenever God's people get together. We've got to be together. And it's got to be more than twice a week that we're together. Brother Pat, I, I thank God for Brother Pat. Why don't you just give God a hand for Brother Pat Byron? I was here yesterday working around the building a little bit. Brother Pat just kind of wandered in. I guess you're getting some stuff because you're teaching Sunday school. And uh, Brother Pat wandered in. I was doing some work. And he said, Pastor, why didn't you tell me that you were working on this? I don't don't know. I thought maybe you're working. I I, I don't know. I didn't think about it, Brother Pat. He said, I want to be here. Why? Don't you have other stuff to do? You could be fishing. You could have been camping. Could have been smoking a pork roast. In fact, he was smoking a pork roast. Huh? It was in the smoker. But he said, I, I, I would have been here. Why? Because the church. This is life. That's apostolic. Church. He says, you have a conversation with Sister Martha. She won't talk about gardening or nursing or anything else that she has an expertise about. She wants to talk about the goodness of God. Why? Because the church is her life. Brother Tex pulled up on the parking lot today and he saw the stripes out there. Thank you, Brother Kevin Polly. Thank you, Brother, uh, Brother Pat. Thank you, Brother Josh. Zeke, he ran a broom too. Uh, Thank you all for... Brother Tex pulled up on the parking lot. He said, Pastor, why didn't you tell me you were doing this? I want to be here. I said, Brother Tex, I wish you'd come preach my message this morning. I want to be here. I want to be involved. They were all in one accord, in one place. I don't think that means we're supposed to have church Seven days a week. All of us together. I don't believe that a bit. But I do think that it means that the church 
is the most important thing. It takes priority over every other activity. Well, I need to have family time. Well, have family time at church. Ooh, I just said that out loud. It came right out. I want my kids to be involved in some other things. Other things what? I can't think of a single thing I would rather my kids be involved in than the worship of God and the fellowship with the saints of the Most High. Y'all are some of the most wonderful people on planet Earth. I want my kids to be around you. You don't know. Some of you I've told. But my kids will come home and they'll tell me things that Brother Tim said. They'll tell me things. They'll they'll talk about the saints of God. Because they love you. Why? Because they've been raised in such a way that the church is their life. There is nothing else. I know you've heard this cliche over and over again. But Zeke has never come to me and said, Dad, are we going to go to church tonight? It's not a question. Are we going to go to a prayer meeting? Are we going to go to... Okay. Let's stand. I'm going, to, I'm going to stop, I believe. We, man, we, uh, we love to preach and respond to miracles, signs, wonders, and I'm glad that that stuff still goes on today. I'm glad it goes on here. But Acts 2 and 42, they, somebody say they, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and prayer and breaking of bread. Or apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayers. And the next verse, the next verse is what we want. Fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. That's the verse we want. We better back up and look and see what they did. It wasn't just preaching and teaching. It wasn't just about a prayer meeting. But they were together. I wouldn't rather be with anybody else than the people in the church. It's not even close. I want to be with the people of God. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell. Does anybody know the next word? Together in unity. We emphasize the unity part. We've got to have unity, got to have unity. He said it's good and pleasant for brethren to dwell together. 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 In unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head. Now that's what we want. We want the anointing of God. We want the flowing of the Spirit. It's the precious anointing. It runs down the beard, even Aaron's beard. Went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there, where? A place of togetherness. There, God commanded the blessing forevermore.
I want to be in a place where God commands blessing to happen. Take the hand of somebody beside you. Lift their hand up in the air. You're probably close to somebody. Uh, You may may be close to a family member. You may be praying as a family group. I want you to pray right now. Father, are there any golden calves in my life? Church, I want to tell you, I am not preaching this out of frustration. I'm not preaching this because I'm trying to improve attendance. I'm preaching this because I understand if we're not together, God can't flow through us. It's our togetherness as a body. The blood flows through circulation and connection. I don't want to be shattered and splintered and divided and, and, and bipartite. I, I, I don't want to be uh, just a group that comes together a couple times a week. I want us to be together in a church that is our life. I want you to pray. I want some intercessors to begin to pray right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. If you'll open your spirit right now, God will help you to push some things out of the way. He'll help you to get that dozer out and just shove some stuff out of your life that's going to separate you from the things of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I take dominion and authority over every stronghold of the mind, every habit of this flesh that keeps us entrenched and in a rut of things that are not profitable to our souls. Oh God, I pray that you would cause your holy anointing to flow in our lives and our families and upon our minds. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I want you to ask Him, Lord, help me to shove things out of the way that are not pleasing to you, that are not profitable to me and your kingdom. Oh God, God, shove some things out of the way. Help me to shove some things out of the way.